Chapter twenty five of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. The stage wise have long since learned to discount a slump in the next performance to follow a brilliantly successful premiere. The phenomenon is as inevitable as poor food on a route of one night stands at springfield on monday afternoon the lie was presented in a manner of unpardonable crudity quard forgot his lines and extemporized and gagged desperately to cover the consequent breaks in the dialogue leaving poor joan hopelessly at sea floundering for cues that were never uttered at the last moment it was discovered that nothing had been provided to simulate at the beginning of the second scene the sound of a clock striking twelve off stage the property man could offer nothing better than an iron crowbar and a hammer the twelve strokes consequently resembled nothing in the world other than a wholly untemperamental crowbar banged by a dispassionate hammer fortunately the effect was so thin and dead that it convulsed only the first few rows of the orchestra the light cues went wrong when they were not altogether ignored and once when joan having indicated in a brief soliloquy her depression on being left alone in the gloomy house gave the cue i must have more light at the same time touching a property switch on the wall every light in the house other than the red exit lamps was blacked out and at all other times the required changes either anticipated or dragged far behind their cues the thief forgot to load his revolver with the result that quard fired the only shot in their duel and then fell dead this so rattled david that he anticipated his first entrance and rushed on the stage only to back off precipitately while joan was urging the thief to go and leave her to shoulder his crime the only misadventure that failed to attend upon the performance was a traditional one of the stage the theatre cat by some accident did not walk upon the scene at a climax and seat itself before the footlights to wash its face nevertheless the sketch got over at the matinee receiving three curtain calls and at night when the little company conscious of its crimes pulled itself together and acted with an intensity of effort only equalled by that of its first performance in new york the house gave the piece a rousing reception thereafter they played it well and consistently with increasing assurance as days passed and use bred the habit in them all on thursday quard heard from boskirk and announced that the company would return to new york the following monday to play a six weeks engagement in the percy williams houses beginning with a fortnight in manhattan and winding up in greenpoint long island he added that boskirk was busy arranging a subsequent tour which would take them to the pacific coast and back he did not add that the agent had successfully demanded as much as four hundred and fifty dollars a week for the offering from many of the more prosperous houses on their list from which figure the price ranged down to as little as three hundred in some of the smaller inland towns but even at this minimum quard had so scaled his salary list contrary to his representations to joan that his gross weekly profit excluding personal living expenses would seldom be less than one hundred dollars a week back in new york 
joan established herself temporarily at a small and very poor hotel on the west side of harlem since their engagement took her no farther south than sixty-third street and broadway during its first week and the second week was played at one hundred and twenty-sixth street and seventh avenue she felt tolerably insured against meeting either matthias or any member of her own family she really meant to go home some time and see how her mother and edna were doing but from day to day put it off if with no better excuse on the ground that she was too tired and too busy as a matter of fact she was in the habit of waking up at about ten but never rose until noon spent the hours between three and four and nine and ten in the theatre and was ordinarily in bed by half-past twelve or one o'clock up to the matinee hour between that and the night she managed without great difficulty to kill time spending a deal of it and a fair proportion of her earnings in the uptown department stores she dined with quard quite frequently and almost invariably after the last performance they supped together often in company with friends of his for the most part vaudeville people whom he had previously known or with whom he struck up fervent facile friendships of a week's duration they were a quaint scandalous crew feather-brained irresponsible and most of them destitute of any sort of originality but their spirits were high as long as they had a payday ahead their tongues were quick with the patter of the circuits and their humour was of an order new and vastly diverting to joan she had with them what she called a good time and soon learned to look leniently upon the irregular lives of some who entertained her once or twice she was invited to parties sociable gatherings in flats rented furnished at which she learned to regard the consumption of large quantities of bottled beer as a polite and even humorous accomplishment and to permit a degree of freedom in song and joke and innuendo that would have seemed impossible in another environment probably she would have felt less tolerant of these matters had quard betrayed the least tendency to fall off the wagon but in her company at least he refrained sedulously from drink and since his was one of those constitutions whose normal vitality is so high and constant that alcohol benumbs rather than stimulates its functions he shone the more by contrast with their occasionally befuddled companions joan admired him intensely for the steadfastness of his stand and still more when she saw how established was the habit of regular if not always heavy drinking in the world of their peers no one but herself pretended for a moment to regard the reformation of quard as anything but a fugitive whim and now and again she was made aware that his abstinence was resented she once heard him contemptuously advised to chuck the halo and kick in and get human again and another time he explained a false excuse given in her presence for refusing an invitation it's no use trying to travel with that gang unless you're boozing they got no use for me unless i'm willing to get an edge on what's the use there was a surliness a resentment underlying his tone intuitively joan bristled no use she said sharply you know what you're up against better than they do you've got to stick to the soft stuff if you want to keep going oh i know he grumbled but it ain't as easy as you'd think all right she retorted calmly but i give you fair warning 
i'll quit you the very first time you come around with so much as a whiff of the stuff on you you don't have to worry he responded i'm on all right but he added abruptly you needn't run away with any notion this piece would head for the storehouse if you was to quit it the woods are full of girls who jump at your chance joan answered only with an enigmatic smile it is doubtful if cord himself realized just then as keenly as the girl did the depth and strength of his infatuation but joan did not doubt her power neither did she overestimate it it was toward the end of their time in new york that she learned of the failure of the jade god the information coming to her through the medium of one of those coincidences which would be singular anywhere but on the stage an actress in a farcical sketch which followed the intermission preceded by the lie was assigned to use joan's dressing-room when the latter was through with it naturally the two struck up a chatting acquaintance joan one time replied to a question with the information that the lie was booked for the pacific coast and matthias in mind confessed to some curiosity regarding los angeles the other actress admitted ignorance of the west but had only that morning received a letter from a sister who was playing with the alderson stock company in los angeles the letter contained a clipping describing the immediate and disastrous collapse of the jade god which had been withdrawn after its third repetition reading the review joan was puzzled to recognize some of its references she was fairly familiar with the play but here and there she encountered strictures which seemed to involve scenes she couldn't remember but of the fact of the failure there could be no doubt she was genuinely sorry her first impulse was to seek matthias if he were in town and tell him of her sympathy her second discarded with even less ceremony than the first to write to him two things held her back sheer moral cowardice that would not let her face the man whom she had failed even as had his play and the impossibility of explaining that she loved the stage more than him or anything else in the world except his ring and while she never faltered from meaning to return this last before long she could not yet bring herself to part with it always it was with her on her finger when at home and alone in her pocket-book when abroad or with quard still in her imagination retaining something of its vaguely talismanic virtue standing to her for something fanciful and magic which she could not name a visible token of mystical powers that worked for her good fortune it was mid-october sweetest of all seasons in new york a time of early evenings and long clear gloamings beneath skies of exquisite suavity and depth of crisp and heady days whose air is wine in a crystal chalice when thoughts are long and sweet gentle with the beauty and the sadness of aging autumn at the first hint of winter joan's heart turned in longing to the thought of furs she wasted hours studying advertisements and many more going from place to place examining rejecting coveting her fancy was not modest a year ago she would have been delighted with the meanest strip of squirrel for a neckpiece to-day she felt a little ashamed even to price the less expensive furs and would make no attempt to purchase until she had saved up enough money to meet her desires and then one morning they were playing at the orpheum theatre in brooklyn a messenger brought her a package from one of the fulton street stores and required a signed receipt 
it contained a handsome coat of imitation seal with a collar of rich black fur and lined with golden brocade fitting her perfectly it enclosed her in generous warmth from throat to ankle accompanying it was the card of mr charles harborough quard presenting the lie the sketch sensation of the year address c o jas k bosker st james building new york not since that day when she had received his ring from matthias had she been so happy meeting quard in the gangway outside her dressing-room before the matinee performance she showed her gratitude by lifting her face for his kiss in the world in which they existed kisses were commonplaces quite perfunctory of little more significance than a slap on the shoulder between acquaintances not so jones she had set a value upon her caresses a standard peculiarly inflexible with respect to quard none the less this was not the second time he had known her lips but the occasion was one rare enough to render him appreciative he wound an arm round her and held her tight like it eh girlie i love it then i'm satisfied but how did you guess what i wanted most maybe i did a little headwork to find out it's dear of you so long as you think so i've got no kick coming she disengaged drew a pace or two away but what made you do it charlie well i can't afford to have my leading lady out of the cast with a cold joan shook her head at him in gay reproof or do you want me to tell you what you know already that i'm crazy about you foolish it's time we were dressing but her laugh was fond and so was the look she threw over her shoulder as she evaded his arms and vanished into her dressing-room quard lingered a moment with a fatuous smile for the panels of the closed door and wagged his head doggishly he felt that he was winning ground at a famous rate the difficulties the coolness and craft of his antagonist considered and in a way he was right though perhaps not precisely the way he had in mind even before his princely gift joan had been thinking a great deal about him and very seriously instinctively she foresaw that their relationship could not long continue on its present basis of simple good-fellowship quard wasn't the sort to be content at arm's length he must either come closer or go farther away and might be dependent upon not to adopt the latter course until the former had proved impracticable and joan didn't want him to go farther away she was positive about this but she was also very sure that the arm's-length relationship must be abridged only under certain indispensable conditions decorously and soon if at all else she must be the one to withdraw lest a worse thing befall her it was a problem of two factors quard's nature and her own she had herself to reckon with no less than with him and herself she distrusted who was no stronger than her greatest weakness he attracted her she often caught herself thinking of him as she had thought of no other man not matthias not the cord of the convict's return not even marbridge except perhaps for one shameful instant something in the lawless ranging wanton grain of this man called to her with a call of infinite allure something latent in her thrilled to the call and answered that way lurked danger disguised but deadly they moved on to greenpoint thence to trenton for a week 
daily quard's attentions became more constant intimate and tender they were much together and now far more exclusively together than had been possible in new york where acquaintances commandeered so much of their time in trenton they lodged at the same hotel the other members of the company finding cheaper accommodations at greater distance from the theatre this increased their close and confidential association they fell into the habit of breakfasting together quard always first to rise would telephone to joan's room ascertain how soon she would be dressed and order for both of them accordingly in return for this privilege he had that of paying for both meals a negro waiter spoke of joan one morning in her presence as the missus when he had retired out of earshot their eyes sought one another's constraint was swept away in laughter we might's well be married the way we're together all the time quard presently ventured oh i don't know about that joan retorted pertly i mean the way other people see us i shouldn't be surprised if everybody in the hotel thought we was married girlie joan colored faintly well the room clerk knows better she said definitely i'd like another cup of coffee please quard snapped his fingers loudly to attract the attention of the waiter he grew aware of an awkward silence that the thoughts of both were converging to a common point folks are fools that get married in the profession he observed consciously it's all right if you got a husband or i've got a wife at home i don't see it joan interrupted smartly anyway i haven't have you the actor stared confused have i what got a wife at home joan repeated laughing no nothing like that he asserted with intense earnestness i mean it's all right if you've got somebody keeping a flat warm for you some place not too far off broadway but if you marry into the business good night you got all the trouble of being tied up for life and that's all why managers don't want husband and wife in the same company they're always fighting each other's battles when they ain't fighting between themselves so you're always playing different routes and the chances are they never cross except it's inconvenient and you get caught and nominated for the alimony club do you belong didn't i just tell you nothing like that quard protested with unnecessary heat well joan murmured mischievously you seem to know so much about it i only wondered their place on the bill was near the end that week a trip bicyclist followed them and moving pictures wound up the performance consequently by the time they were able to leave the theatre in the afternoon the sun was already below the horizon they emerged the same evening from the stage door to view a cloudless sky of pulsing amber shading into purple at the zenith melting into rose along the western rim of the world a wash of old rose flooded the streets lifting the meanest structures out of their ugliness lending an added dignity to rows of square-set old-fashioned residences of red brick with white marble trimmings which way are you going quard inquired as they approached the corner of a main thoroughfare back to the hotel no i'm sick of that hole joan replied with a vivid shudder i'm going to take a walk want to come i was just going to ask you they turned off toward the delaware 
it was the twenty-first of november winter still a month away yet the breath of winter was in the air it came up cool and brisk from the river enriching the colour in joan's cheeks that were bright and glowing from the scrubbing she always gave them after removing grease paint with cold cream the blood coursed tingling through her veins her eyes shone with deepened lustre they walked with spirit in step in a pensive silence and frequently disturbed of course quard presently offered without preface it's different in vaudeville if you stick to it what's different being married joan's eyes widened momentarily then she laughed outright gee you don't mean to say you've been chewing that rag ever since breakfast ah uh, i just happened to think of it again said quard with the air of one whose motives are wantonly misconstrued nevertheless he wouldn't let the subject languish there's plenty of family acts been playing the serpents god knows how long he pursued with a vast display of interest in the sunset glow look at the cohans before george planted the american flag in longacre square and annexed it to the united states and they ain't the only ones by a long shot i could name a plenty that'll stick in the big time until their toes curl it's all right to trot in double harness so long as you manage your own company well joan asked with a sober mouth and mischievous eyes well what if you're getting ready to slip me my two weeks notice why not be a man and say so what would i do that for quard demanded indignantly because you're thinking about getting married and there's only room for one leading lady in any company i play in quit your kidding the man advised sulkily you know i couldn't get along without you yes joan admitted calmly i know it but i didn't know you did quard shot a suspicious glance askance but her face was immobile in its flawless loveliness he started to say something choked up and reconsidered with a painful frown a mature man's perfect freedom is not likely to be thrown away and yet he doubted darkly the perfection of his freedom they held on in silence until they came to riverside park over the dark profile of the pennsylvania hills the sky was jade and amethyst a pool of light that dwindled swiftly in the thickening shades of violet below them as they paused on a lonely walk the river stole swiftly like a great black serpent writhing through the shadows a frosty wind swept steadily into their faces making cool and firm the flesh flushed with exercise there was no one near them a train of jeweled lights swept over the railroad bridge and vanished into the night with a purring rumble that lent an accent to their isolation joan hugged about her voluptuously her wonderful coat stole a glance warm with gratitude at the face of quard he intercepted it and edged nearer a glow and eager she murmured something vapid about the prettiness of the sky he answered only with the arm he passed about her she suffered him lashes veiling her eyes her head at rest in the hollow of his shoulder the man stared down at her exquisite suffused face luminous in the last light of gloaming joan he said throatily girlie don't you love me a little her mouth grew tremulous i don't know she whispered i love you 
he cried suddenly in an exultant voice i love you he folded her unresisting in both his arms covering her face with kisses ardent violent kisses that bruised and hurt her tender flesh but which she still sought and hungered for insatiable she sobbed a little in her happiness feeling her body yield and yearn to his transported by that sweet exquisite nameless longing then suddenly she was like a steel spring in his embrace writhing to free herself wondering he tried to hold her closer but she twisted and fended him off with all the power of her strong young arms and still wondering he humoured her she drew away but yet not wholly out of his clasp charlie she panted darling how do you get married in new jersey he pulled up dashed and a little disappointed and laughed nervously why you get a license and then well almost anybody'll do to tie the knot she nodded tensely i guess a regular minister will be good enough for us i guess so he demurred and with another laugh i wasn't thinking serious about it but i guess i might as well be married as the way i am well she said quietly we've got to it's the only way End of chapter twenty five